Welcome to Drinks at Work from Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That is me. The Bar Awards season is very much upon us. Tales of the Cocktail had their big International Spirit Awards late last month. Bartender Mag has their Australian Awards happening next month. And the world's 50 best bars is taking place in Singapore in October. Not to mention the fact that the Boothby Best Bars Victoria is now open for nominations. Those awards are taking place at the Lincoln in Melbourne on Sunday, the 24th of September. Visit boothby.com.au for more info and to put your nomination in now. Okay, plug done. But I'm bringing this up because I recently had a chat about lists and awards with the drinks journalist Hamish Smith in London. He's the editor of Class Magazine over there, the bar's editor of Drinks International, and like me, Hamish is also an Academy Chair for the World's 50 Best Bars. He's also the creator of Drinks International's Bar World 100, an annual list of the bar world's most influential personalities. So he knows a little bit about how awards and lists work, what they're good for, and the problems with them as well. But Hamish is first and foremost a drinks journalist, and he's one whose work I admire. So I talked to him about how he got into the role and where he thinks drinks journalism is going in the future, possibly for some self-interested reasons. But first, a word from our sponsors for this episode. This episode is presented by the Gresham's National Greenhorn Cocktail Competition, sponsored by Buffalo Trace. It kicks off this month and visits all the major capital cities in Australia. The Greenhorn Cocktail Comp kicked off at the Gresham 10 years ago to nurture bartenders who are new to cocktail comps. It's gone national this year and you can enter the competition now. To enter, you must have no more than three years experience bartending in a cocktail bar and not have competed in any major national finals for a cocktail competition. All you have to do is create a unique recipe using a minimum of 30 mils of Buffalo Trace and visit thegresham.com.au slash the-greenhorn for the rules and how to enter. Entries close at midnight Australian Easter Standard Time on Tuesday, August 22nd, so get cracking now. Okay, let's get into my chat now with Hamish Smith. Hamish Smith, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work from Boothby. Hey Sam, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's good to have you here. Uh, you're in the UK. You're the editor of Class Magazine. Uh, which is focused on the bar world there. You're the bars editor for Drinks International, which covers the broader drinks industry. Uh, you also put together the Bar World 100 list. You're the uh, world's 50 best bars academy chair for UK and Ireland. Uh, suffice to say, you're a pretty busy guy. I think you're also a dad and family man as well. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot I want to talk to you about, but um, about drinks journalism and the future of that and the role of awards and lists in the bar world. But before we get to that, let's get to your origin story a bit. Um, how did you come into the world of drinks journalism in the first place? Uh, pretty cliched stuff, I'm afraid. Um, I went traveling, <laughs> um, in, including to, to Australia, wrote, well, it wasn't even a blog. It was just emails back home, um, yeah. but kind of travel writing, I guess. And I was actually, I came to it quite late. I was, I was probably 27 at that point, oh, um, yeah. drifting by, I had done a, a degree in media, but you know, it's so unspecific. I had no idea really what part of media I wanted to be involved in. Gotcha. Um, I had always liked writing, but just I got, it always felt completely out of reach. And I just didn't know anyone that was a journalist. So, mm. um, I, I mean, even less so a drinks journalist. I, I'm sure that was that was not even a concept in my mind. At the I, time. I didn't realize that was a job, right? No, I think a lot of people don't. I, I'm still quite surprised, uh, <laughs> even having done it for 15 years. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, so at that age, I kind of uh, I was doing a bit of writing, came back home, and then it was a bit of a line in the sand moment where I'd, I'd kind of I knew the world a bit more. Um, I was a bit more worldly, and um, I thought, oh fuck it, you know, let's uh, let's give this a, a whirl. So I, I did a, a journalism uh, qualification. Mm. here in the UK and um, I thought I was going to be a news writer for one of the big broadsheets 
um, until I did some work experience there and, and realised <laughs> how, how hard that is and how little they pay. Um, mm. So I did. I worked worked a couple of weeks at the independent on the business desk, and that that was a shock to the system. I can tell you. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so I I kind of after a few months thought, well, what do I enjoy? Um, I enjoy food. I was big into my food at the time. Um, so I started kind of trying to get some freelance work with with food publications. Um, this was two thousand and eight, nine, ten, oh, yeah. around then. So we're talking kind of global financial meltdown, no jobs. Um, yeah. it was like the worst the worst time to be entering journalism um i think every job i applied for there were 200 applicants and i had no Jeez. experience so I, I had no chance at all um but luckily um my my partner she she was earning decent money and uh she, she supported me for a year whilst <laughs> whilst i kind of uh uh floated around from from work experience to work experience until until i threw a coconut and it hit you know um yeah <laughs> so um yeah uh, so yeah job story right yeah yeah but honestly um you know it could have gone the other way I, I was i was probably fairly close to giving up at that point um uh like drinks international it came along as a um you know i did the interview I, and i didn't even i didn't even get the job i came second all <laughs> oh, right <laughs> well, yeah, yeah i don't think i was supposed to be a drinks journalist actually i think all the signs were were telling me to pack it in yeah but um <laughs> but but yeah no I, I came second and the guy that that got the job he i think he, he worked for the sun or something uh, in the uk and decided that that working down in crawley just south of london an hour away was was beneath him so um Ah. Uh, it wasn't beneath me and I jumped at the chance and, and here we are 15 years later. <laughs> so you, that's a long time to be uh, working for a company, I've got to say. Mm. So what was oh, yeah, the, what's the first role you had there at, at Drinks International? Oh, so I was, I was writing at the bottom as a reporter. Yeah. Um, so at the time I had uh, Lucy Britness, Lucy Britner and Christian Davis were ahead oh, yeah. of me, the, the editor and deputy editor. You you would know Lucy probably uh, in the day. I'm and, not sure. I've, I've met Christian though, yeah. Yeah, you might have met Christian. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I came in and 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 Lucy was kind of my mentor. She was similar age, but but been in the game a few years. Um, yeah, and um, she she left within a couple of years. And and you know, I, th- I think this is a story with a lot of people. But it, it, you know, your career path is not just about how good you are. You can be good and unlucky. I was <laughs> I was okay and and very lucky. Um, <laughs> Lucy left and she was like the kind of young one that was doing the bar stuff. Mm. So I, I got funneled into that role and, you know, within three years I was the 50 best bars editor. Um, and at the time I have to admit, I didn't know about bars, but that was, that was did early you, days. Did you have any experience working in pubs or bars before, like during uni? Or yeah, like yeah I, I had, I had um, one failed bar, um, pub shift. Um <laughs> I was on trial with this other person and um, I didn't get it. So, um, as I said, everything everything was leading me away from, from drinks, really. Um, so, no, no, I was, I, was, I was more just classically trained journalist, I guess, um, that fell into drinks. And But I don't think that's such a bad thing. I think, I think these days often people kind of move from drinks into journalism. Mm. Um, but I, I'm more traditional. I like to see a journalist that's maybe got shorthand and has done a bit of media law and kind of qualified in the traditional shorthand. Sense. My goodness. That's uh, yeah. Uh, does yeah, it, do, yeah. do any of them have shorthand anymore? 
Um, you don't see it so much. But 10 years ago, people were still rocking the shorthand. Um, wow. I was still rocking the shorthand. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but I found that it was really good when you're interviewing CEOs, right? So you'd just get your notepad out. And they, they suddenly felt like, ah, oh, this guy's serious, you know? Yeah, gotcha. Um, little did they know you'd get the notes home and you couldn't fucking read any of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you just record everything, all the interviews. You record it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've, 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 I don't do it anymore. I, I don't know when I stopped. It was a gradual thing, but, um, yeah, yeah it kind of, kind of, it's not really the doing it. It's the kind of, it's the application. It's the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. Um, right. and I never, I never did my hundred words per minute, uh, shorthand, <laughs> I got up to 80, but everyone talks at 140. So it's completely useless. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my mother had, was able to do shorthand and uh, the only thing she'd use it for was Christmas list, right? What, what she had to buy. <laughs> Things she didn't want <laughs> yeah. us to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you because you're the editor of Class Magazine. It's quarterly, is it? It's quarterly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a brief, um, brief dalliance with, with Sixer a year, but no, quarterly. <laughs> what, what's it like working on a print magazine these days? I mean, I something I used to do when I was at Australian Bartender Mag, and I, and I and I grew up on magazines, and I love magazines. How how is that the print magazine business working these days? Print print magazines. Um, are probably not the future i think that's fair to say but mm. um they let's let's rephrase that they're, they're part of the future they're a smaller part of the future obviously than, yeah. than digital i think we all know that but they are part they are part of the future i think that's a better way of putting it um yeah so i think there's always going to be a place particularly with our generation still around that grew up with magazines um yeah. but they're still gonna people like the feel of them they're tactile they feel in some way more important when something is printed on paper in a magazine it just carries a bit more weight um, there's a sense I of permanence there yeah yeah there there is um it, which is weird really because you know they probably go in the recycling <laughs> right whereas yeah. something you write something you wrote when you were 22 online is still friggin there you know uh, yeah that's true <laughs> that's a good point actually i haven't thought of it any point. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it, like it feels, yeah. It feels like uh, when people are on the cover of a print magazine, though, that's it's a bit more than having your, your photo on on the internet. <clears throat> totally, there's there's gravitas to it. I, I just think it's it's everyone in the UK, well, not everyone, but like a lot of bartenders in the UK want to be on the front cover of Class. Like it's yeah. it's something, it's a bucket list kind of thing. I think, um, and that's great. Like you know, we. But that only comes with putting the effort in. You know, we do photo shoots, we we hire props, we hire venues, we hire a photographer. Like all this stuff costs money. Um, yeah. But we feel like it's worth it to give bartenders their moment in the sun and, and have a bit of fun as well. We've had we've had some great fun with our covers over the years. Um, you know, hiring horses and people flying <laughs> off horses, and, um, putting Peter Torelli <laughs> in a bathtub, and, and you know, um, all, all kinds of things that we've done. Um, yeah. You know. Ian McPherson in a ballerina outfit, and you know, yeah, that was a particularly stuff. striking cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, so we have we have, we have some fun with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting to me, class, because it's it's a trade magazine. Um, you know, it's business to business kind of thing. The audience is bartenders, but you also review bars as well, which I find um, interesting because that you don't see that as much in trade press in Australia, at least. I'm not sure what it's like over in the UK. How do you choose which bars you want to go in and review? And do you do negative reviews or do you get any pushback from the industry around these reviews? 
Yeah, so we we do get a bit of pushback, and yeah, we we do. <laughs> I wouldn't say we, we we don't set out to be negative. These are not kind of poison pen articles, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like I would say, in pretty much every review I've ever, ever written, there's been some negativity in it. Um, so I I wouldn't want to be involved in journalism if it didn't have a bit of teeth and wasn't mm. I don't want to be scared to say something that's negative that's not the real world you know and I don't, I just don't believe in the version of trade media that's that's cheerleading all about yeah. celebrating and promoting I've never I've never believed that's my role and I, th- I some journalists absolutely believe that's their role to promote mm. the bar industry um my feeling is I'm I'm a journalist doing a job and if the industry is promoted off off the back of some of my work as a byproduct, then then great, I'm pleased. But that's not my primary function. Well, promotion is a that's a PR gig, right? That's not a journalism yeah, gig. Totally, totally. But but the lines are blurred a little bit. And the way I see it is, is we have our magazines and our journalism, and that's journalism. And then we have, yeah, and most magazines have them. We have our awards, which they're kind mm. of ring fenced, and that's where we do the celebrating. That's where we. We do the promoting, I guess, um, but to me, they're kind of two separate things. So, so our lists and our awards are their, their central goal is to um, put bums on seats. Um, it's it's to create interest in bartending in bars, um, and and generally promote uh, the industry and what's great about it. The trade uh, journalism stuff is is journalism. Yeah, I guess with the the list and awards, you get some pushback on that as well, right? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, I always joke it's 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 like deep sea spider crab fishing and and creating lists <laughs> are the two most dangerous jobs in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've just started doing some uh, uh, with Boothby. You know, now they're a couple of years yeah, in, yeah, see. and it's like I was hesitant because as soon as you stick your head over that parapet, you know, someone's gonna yeah tell you that you're wrong and that you've got no idea and that your process is awful, but <laughs> it's just part and parcel of it. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, all you can do with these things is, is put as much effort you can into the process, into mm. into making sure the methodology of how, of how you get there, how you get to those results is as good as you can possibly make it. And then, you know, the cards will fall where they fall um, and – you know, there's n- there's not much you can do about it. The one the one thing I, I tend to say people to, to people is, you know, try not to think about the people that win the awards. It's more the job that this does for the global bar industry. You know, it, 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 in the end, it's going to create more interest. Mm. What you have in, in with Tales Spirited Awards with fifty best with the list that you guys do and and, and we do with with class, it's a global network of marketing really. For, for bars and bartenders and it's free mm, um, yeah so you know <laughs> it's not bad really <laughs> um what goes in because you uh, the bar world 100 how many years is that in now is it four or five or so or uh, five yeah yeah five yeah. years of that now um so yeah. you're the you're the person in behind organizing all of that right yeah, so so I, I created it. I think so. Um, our company um, sold the world's fifty best bars to William Reed Business Media in mm. early seven two thousand seventeen, and I think at that point we kind of wanted we wanted to uh, maintain our engagement with with the bar trade through through a list or an awards or something like that. Um, but we didn't want to step on any feet, so we just kind of thought, oh, let's just create a list it'll be more of a digital activation yeah. so there's no event um it's it's not it's it's literally just a, a video and a magazine um 
and it's uh, for 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 your listeners that that don't know anything about it it's um it's voted for by mostly media actually it's people looking into the industry rather than kind of looking out so it's it's mm. there are bartenders that vote but it's it's that the, the emphasis is more on commentators um who who might have a slightly different view on who is the most influential in the world right. um and 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 that's a bit of a difference maybe from some of the other things we've done and and, and probably uh how these things are run generally across the industry I, I think they tend to be tend to be more bartenders um mm. voting but this is yeah this is very much uh yeah kind of media events people consultants people looking in on the drinks industry and the bar industry um yeah. vote and um yeah so we we come up with a list of 100 people uh who are the most influential um and and the last four years the winner has been monica berg um, it's, it's amazing how consistent the results are despite the fact we we change the voters every year we, we re- rotate um yeah but but the same names largely we have about 75 percent uh retain their place in the list which is which is quite interesting really so e- even in, for a global study like this there are just a, a, you know a few hundred maybe a hundred names that kind of come up time and time again what, what do you what do you think's behind that is that like you know, social media, is it things like the media, the trade press writing about the same people all the time maybe, or, or is it, you know, yeah, these, these people just the, at the heart of their game? Bit, bit of, bit of all of that. I think, um, I think these people are at the top of their game. Um, I mean, what, what you notice with most of them is that they don't only do their job well, but they also have causes that they support. Or uh, you know they, they kind of champion social injustice or sustainability. There's another aspect to their work which people yeah. respect, and and probably most important is that they're not they're not seen to be people that are overly commercial. So they don't chase the dollar. Um, you know, if you look at someone like Monica Berg, she, she's very careful. She yes, she does kind of brand work, but it's very careful about the kind of work she does. Um, right. So it's it's kind of bartending with principles, you know, or, or even if it's not bartenders, it's, it's, if it's media, um, it's it's people that are doing exposés on social injustice or things like that. Um, so people that are kind of seen to be progressing the industry and, and pushing things forward and representing the right issues um, in their work. So yeah, that 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 seems to be, and 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 maybe there are more people that do that that we don't know about and maybe mm. it's true that these people not only do amazing shit but they promote it as well they yeah they have those they have the audience as well on their social <laughs> channels that, that's I, I, equally true yeah i mean it's it's kind of the world in which we live these days too i suspect you know um yeah yeah honestly i don't think there'd be anyone on that list that doesn't have i don't know two or three thousand instagram followers uh, yeah. as a bare minimum you know yeah in terms of these awards and lists do you think that there can be too much emphasis on them in terms of what we in the media are writing about, but also, you know, from the bars themselves? Like I, I know from my experience that sometimes you speak to bartenders and bar owners, and I'm sure you would have had this experience as well. Sometimes they're very eager to get on these lists. So I can understand why there's huge benefits to being on, on lists like the world's 50 best, but sometimes it feels a little bit like maybe don't be focusing, getting on the list, be focusing on putting money in the till. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I think so. Um, it, it's hard for me to be objective about that because yeah, 
honestly, these lists, as much as I, as much as I like to think, um, you know, I, I've created something of a name for myself through my journalism. Um, it's not probably true. It's it's the lists. <laughs> Um, oh, I, and, I, I would push back on that. I think you know, obviously, the lists have a part of it, but you, you've been doing this yeah. for a while now, Hamish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but but it, it's just it, it's hard. People for read me to the byline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, read the byline exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, and no, I, I, it's been my world pretty much since for ten years. Uh, lists and awards. So I do find it hard to to tell bartenders to to not care about it when yeah, pretty much been doing is telling them to care about it and then yeah. but you know th- there does come a point where it does feel you feel like you're noticing some slightly obsessive behaviors um <laughs> and you kind of want to go okay don't, don't care too much <laughs> yeah well no I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't care about the list i think i think the list play an important kind of role in the industry and i'm not gonna lie i was very pleased to be on the bar world 100 this year you know i'm not gonna yeah, lie about exactly. that it was a, a lovely thing to have um everyone likes that sort yeah. of um, validation, I suppose, but I think it's more of yeah. the you know the gamification of trying to get on the list rather than just trying to do what you do yeah. really well and obviously make sure yes. people know about it. But you know, yeah, and to be fair, that that's a line we've we've peddled from from day one. It's it's not as you say the gamification. That that is a great way of putting it. Um, that's the bit that I don't like. I just think, and if you look at certain bars, you, you know, like I, was, I was at Satan's Whiskers um, last week. Um, talking to its owner kevin armstrong and he doesn't play these games you know he just creates a great bar he just yeah. concentrates on things like lighting and music mm. and hospitality you know <laughs> like getting the mood right and do you know what it's worked you know people absolutely yeah. love that place and, well yeah i've, I've never know. heard a bad word about that place anyone i know who's no, visited there yeah. raves about it yeah yeah and and you know what he's never had a pr agency so yeah, right. I mean, how many how many bars on those lists have not had a part? I mean, that's that's incredible, mm. right? So anyway, the point being that you can you can do it that way, um, and you should do it that way. I think I think you get the product right, the awards follow. Um, yeah, and that's the that's the order in which you should kind of approach things. Uh, now you're not based quite in London, but you know you're close enough to London, uh, and it's one of the world's greatest sort of one of the world's great cocktail cities. Um, how easy is it for a new bar to open up in London and find longevity and success these days? Or is it, I mean, there's so many bars there. Is it an incredibly difficult place to, to open up? Uh, first of all, yeah, I am based in London. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm, my office is outside London, but uh, I'm, I'm very rarely there, <laughs> as, as my <laughs> bosses will, will tell you. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm based in London. I'm 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 just kind of 15 minutes away from town. And right. um, the so London is is a blessing and a curse. It's uh, you have the market probably like few other cities in the world. You have people that will spend 25 pounds on a cocktail and think yeah. nothing of it. Um, yeah. You also have kind of a, a middle class of kind of cocktail drinkers that will happily spend. 10 to 15 pounds on a cocktail and not think anything of it. And, and yeah. we're probably talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Um, and then you have all the tourism and, and everything else. So, so the market is there, but it is saturated. Um, it, it's saturated, but also I guess it's growing. So as, as it saturates, it also gets bigger. Yeah. Um, so there's always opportunities for operators that 
make great drinks and serve them with a smile, you know, and, and have the right location and just do things right, you know, get the basics right. Um, mm. There'll always be a space for those because there are plenty of bars and I've reviewed a few of them um, that, that do not do things well, um, despite huge <laughs> investment. Wow. Uh, um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, in, in terms of getting on lists and all that kind of side of the business, it's harder and harder um, mm. because... You know, I, th- I think I think everyone in London, particularly the hotel bars, they all think they're going to be the next Connaught. And, you know, yeah. people like the Connaught. And I'm not sure they yeah. want to swap the Connaught for another another hotel bar in their mind as their, their favourite hotel bar. Yeah. Um, but, but in terms of just being busy um, and being a successful business, which is obviously the most important thing, yeah, it, it's the market is ready-made. What I would say, though, is it's a high entry um in terms of cost so what we're seeing is is kind of indies starting to open Mm. up outside of london so manchester and birmingham are good examples of really flourishing cocktail scenes right now um and that's just because it's it's cheaper to open up there or something cheaper rent's cheaper yeah yeah Yeah. and and it's 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 a problem like it's just high risk going into london so if you make it then you make it and you can cover your rent and you'll make money but if if you're going to have a failure, don't have it in London. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, <cost> gotcha. you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, you're starting to see a lot of bartenders going back to their home cities and opening up. Um, most notably, I guess the Schofields when they kind of mm. came back to the UK and 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 started talking about opening a bar, having kind of uh, travelled the world and worked in some of the, the world's best bars. But my assumption, being you know London elitist kind of journalist, yeah. was that they would come straight into London, you know, get a place in Soho or Shoreditch or somewhere. And no, no, they went home. And of course, why wouldn't they? Um, yeah. And they've, they've opened what three or four bars in in the last year. And you know, I just think it's it's more manageable. And now we're starting to see brands like Sexy Fish go up there. I mean, more and more, I talk to London bartenders, Satan's Whiskers. They they maybe. I'm thinking about moving into to Manchester as well. Mm. Um, so we're starting to see what was quite a homogenous cocktail culture, very London centric, yeah. um, spread its wings into the rest of the UK, which is great. I can't remember what your question was now, but um, does that answer it? <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, no, you covered that completely. Is there a model for drinks journalism in the future? Yeah, so I think it's... Um, I've been playing around with AI myself, um, and I think obviously that's gonna that's gonna. I think everyone's had a little go, right? Um, yeah. And but you know, I I I I try to create a uh, a restaurant review. We were I was in a pub with my mate, and uh, we were talking yeah. about it, and we we did a restaurant review. We just asked AI to to come up with something in in the style of Jay Rayner, um, who's yeah. a, who's a restaurant critic here in the UK, and. Um, and it, and it you know it came up with something that was that was kind of passable. Um, yeah, it was like eight hundred words, and it was a bit clunky. I, I didn't particularly love the language. It wasn't as good as Jay Rayner's writing, obviously. Um, <laughs> but it was it okay polish, <laughs> if you gave it a polish. Quite, yeah, yeah. yeah. But my, my fundamental conclusion was that it's just not true. AI had not mm. been to that pub. It did not know what the fish and chips was like that day. Mm. It did not know whether the beer was off or whether it was fresh or, or whether the chips were overcooked. It didn't know. 
all it did was it harvested loads of other information or reviews from online and kind of amalgamated yeah. it. So, so my conclusion, I guess, is that there'll always be a place for experience-led journalism, right? Where where it's you or I going into a bar talking about our experiences. I think that'll always exist. Mm. Um, but what AI will take over is news writing, I suspect. Like you know, you'll put in the quotes, maybe you'll do the interviews, yeah, um, and, and then it can probably create it. Or, or particularly news writing, I'll, I'll reframe that. Particularly news writing from press releases. Well, this is this is the yeah press release journalism yeah. stuff. Yeah, press release journalism, which is so so in a sense, it could be good for us because I, I don't know about you, but I hate we all know that we can't depending on the type of website you have. But if you have a news section on your website, you kind of have to get some press release news up from time to time. And yeah. it's, it's I, I had to do a lot more of it when I was at Bartender Mag, but I, it's not something I'm yeah, fortunately right, yeah. I have to so do you, these days. <laughs> I get to go a bit slower. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and at class we generally, I don't generally write about kind of brands yeah. and things like that. It tends to be more bar culture, but you know, like two or three times a week, I'll be I'll be churning out a, a press release story, and I, that is absolutely something that AI could do. Um, yeah, it's just an editing job. It could also do like the kind of summary pieces that sometimes you have to write, like this bar yeah. is opened. It can write those, um, but anything opinion or experience related. It can't. So I, I think probably in the future, what we'll do is like we'll have, we'll be selling our journalism on the basis that it's like handcrafted journalism, yes. no AI involved. <laughs> I think that'll be, they'll be like, we'll have like a stamp on our magazines and our yeah. websites, no AI here, you know? I, honestly, I, I think that. that'll be the way it works out because I, it'll become so artisanal. much more. Yeah. yeah, artisanal journalism. Yeah, that would be the way. <laughs> Just like the spirits industry. Oh yeah. my God. Is that what's gonna yeah, happen, hand, isn't it? Shit. Handcrafted journalism. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You can be the you can be the Tito's of uh, of drinks journalism. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, okay. Hamish, this is the, the last question for you. It's the one I tend to ask everybody. Um I I love you, you know, you're a bar reviewer. What makes a great bar? But then also, probably more importantly, what makes you happy in a bar? What are the things that make you happy? Okay, I think the two are probably actually different questions. Um, what yeah. makes me happy in a bar is, is probably just some really simple drinks, um, simple classic cocktails that don't make me think too much. Um, but th that's more of a reaction to my, my day job, which is like Correct. trying to bend yeah. my head around um, the different extraction processes they're using in bars and <laughs> um you know all the stuff yeah. like we don't you know we're journalists we don't actually make the drinks so sometimes sometimes actually getting your head around all these processes and mm. processes and and knowing why they're they're good and they're useful and what kind of flavor they're creating it it's it's just a bit of a headache um, <laughs> um it's so much easier just to drink them <laughs> it's much easier just to drink them yeah yeah, yeah. Oh no! I mean, I mean, if we were if we were just Instagram journalists, we, we would just take a picture, right? And, and just, <laughs> exactly. We actually yeah. have to understand these processes. Um, so, so yeah. So when on, on my off days, you'll you'll likely likely find me in a bar where I am just sitting there with a Paloma or a daiquiri or something, um, mm. and yeah, and and just you know, friendly service, just the basics done well. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I don't really. Uh, I don't really want anything too complicated. I don't know if that's just me getting old as well. I feel like with food I as well. I suspect it could be. It's, I'm the same. You know, it's like the older <laughs> yeah, I get, the yeah. simpler I want things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You just want things boiled down to the essence of yeah. nice. Give me something um, good. 
that's simple yeah yeah yes yeah yeah and but in terms of um um what makes a great bar um mm. I don't know. I went to a line in Athens um, late last mm. year, and that that kind of really crystallised my my view on what makes a great bar. Actually, I think if we're going to call ourselves craft bartenders or craft bars, I think we should have a better relationship with the ingredients. I think we should, if we're not we're not making the spirits or making the wines like they do at Lime, they they make fruit wines based on seasonal fruits. Right. Um, if we're not doing that, we should at least have a better idea of where our friggin lemons come from you know mm. i just don't think it's good enough anymore to to know absolutely everything there is to know about an american whiskey but have no idea where your oranges come from yeah um like i i just think we need to have a better relationship with with the ingredients we use i think it has to be more like the kitchen where there's just a lot more emphasis on the ingredients um mm. and this is happening already of course so I, i'm kind of preaching to converted but um but I, I see that as the future and i think that to me is the ultimate bar a bar that that just completely has um how can i phrase this it, it just has a much better and stronger relationship with ingredients well we'll have to get you down to come visit birdie in melbourne because that's what they're doing that's right. a good excuse hamish yeah from what i know about birdie um it's yeah. it's a perfect all right, mate. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, hopefully, I'm going to catch you in Singapore or something around the world for the best time. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Yeah, see you in Singapore. Thanks again to Hamish for the chat. And thank you to you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share this episode with a friend. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed on your podcast player of choice as well. I'd love a rating too if you've got the time. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work from Boothby.